welcome to the Better Spearfishing Podcast, where we talk all things spearfishing. If you want to improve your spearfishing and hear some wild stories, you've come to the right place. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Better Spearfishing Podcast. Thanks for joining me. So this edition is... It's actually a little bit of housekeeping and sharing a bit of news that I've that I've got some great news, and basically what I'm doing as a result of um, of this this news and, and this change. So the news is that I have been accepted into the Australian spearfishing team to compete in the Interpacifics. So the Interpacific competition is a it's an international event of nations around the Pacific, so Australia, New Zealand, New Caledonia, Vanuatu, I think Fiji. Um, I, I actually don't know all of the um, the countries that are going to be competing. However, the event is going to be in New Zealand in beginning of March. And the, the week before, there are the New Zealand Nationals. So the New Zealand national competition is is the week before, and then there's the Interpacifics, which is an international event. So look, very excited about that. Um, I am down as the reserve diver, which uh, which basically means I'm the spare one. I sort of um, if if everyone else is well, then I don't actually dive the event, but I still go along and participate and um you know i help scout i help do everything and obviously if someone else drops out then i'm in um so i think it's also a bit of a light of passage when you're an unknown uh i suppose competitor and everyone look fantastic team going everyone else has got a lot of experience including in international competitions so that's very exciting and um look i'm really looking forward to it um I think in the last, literally the last episode, I mentioned that I wanted to get into more uh, competitive diving, just just because it's another level and a another skill to learn and, and to try to master. Um, and yeah, that that dream has come through. So I'm very excited about that. Very happy to share that. Um, so the the actual format of the competition, the way it works, it's run over two days. And they, they've they already sent out and said, okay, this is where the competition will be. And they give you zones, competition zones. So they basically draw a line on a map saying, this is zone one, this is zone two, this is zone three. They've given us, I think, four zones. So, well, three zones and then one reserve zone that's basically a backup if the other three are not no good. And the way it works is you don't know which zone they're going to have. So... The competition goes over two days each day. It will normally be six hours um, of competition. And normally the way that this works, um, I, I, again, I'll have to check the exact rules on this, but normally all the there will be safety boats or team boats, but the divers will swim. So they're not allowed on and off the boat. They get everyone starts at the same spot. And you have to swim from there. You swim the entire six hours and dive. You don't have any access to boats to help you, to carry your catch, nothing. They are just there for safety. It, um, you know, so in the event that, that um, 
someone needs help. Um, again, for inter, this is the normal um, national rules, but Inter-Pacifics, it may be slightly different. I'll, I'll definitely still be looking at all the, the rules. Um, but what this means is you have several zones and you don't know which zone they're going to actually say is the one on the day and you don't know where you're going to start. Um, you can obviously make educated guesses or see what's been done in the past. But what this means is you need to go early and you need to go and swim all these areas and find out, find the good spots, find out how, you know, where are the different species of fish. Um, the way it works as well is there is a list of target fish. For example, there might be 10 species on the list and they each, so divers have to dive in a pair. So there'll be, you, you know, each pair will be allowed to catch, say, four of one species and two of the other species and one of this, the third species and, you know, however it goes on. Um, so there's no point in going and catching a fish that is not on the list uh, because you don't get any points for it. Um, there's also minimum weights. So if you shoot something or you try to weigh something, take it to the weigh master at the end and it's below the, the minimum weight, you can receive penalty points. Um, so, you know, you think about that. The way the point systems works it really rewards the number of fish. And and again, each competition is slightly different. Um, what I've seen so far about the points system is it's 100 points per fish, and then they take the total weight of all your fish, and I think they times that by whatever, 10, to come up with or 100 or whatever it, the actual calculation is. I'll, I'll definitely be doing a lot of detailed work with spreadsheets looking at how the scores are calculated. Um, as part of coming up with the strategy. But anyway, so what that means is I'll be there at least a week before to with, with the team and we will be scouting the regions. We'll be finding, okay, what kind, where are the certain types of fish, seeing what kind of weights we can get and coming up with, I guess, plans for the day. So you'll say, okay, we think there's about a 60% chance we can catch this kind of fish the weight should be the average weight of fish we are seeing is this weight. How many points do we get for that? And you'll, you know, this is what I do professionally. I'm, I'm a business analyst, so I love playing with spreadsheets and looking at scenarios and trying to work out, you know, how can we optimize in the scenario in this situation? And there's also a lot of um, planning around what are the other teams going to do? So if you just plan on swimming against the coastline, well, generally there's going to be quite a few teams doing that or quite a few competitors doing that. And um, the fish right up against the coastline will get very spooked or, or scared off after they've seen a few divers and been shot at. So um, anyway, they, that's a whole, a whole thing. And I will keep um, updated. I'll keep the, the podcast going as we're going through this process and sharing what the team is doing, what's working, and of course, what's not working. Um, so yeah, please keep abreast of this, and yeah, you can follow along on the yeah the Australian team at the Inter-Pacifics. So look, the I guess the next thing coming out of this is, you know, if you're going, if you're trying to now improve your diving, you're now we're now going to be competing against, you know, the best in the country country from several countries 
Um, the location zone for the Inter-Pacifics is it's off the Coromandel Peninsula in New Zealand. It's right in front of a little town called Fitianga, which just so happens to be where the, I think, the six or the eight-time New Zealand spearfishing champion lives. And he works as a com- commercial diver there. And so he will know, the New Zealand team will know that place like the back of their hand. They will know exactly where to go and how to win. So um, we're going to really have to think, how can we, you know, what are the skills that the Australian team can take there? And what can we do that maybe the Kiwis won't do or the other teams won't do that will give us an advantage and come up with strategies on that? Anyway, so... Keep abreast, and um, yeah, I'll explain how that all goes. Um, I'm planning on going over a, a few days early and also diving the New Zealand Nationals, which are down in Wellington, so the southwest corner of the North Island of New Zealand. Now, it's generally slightly colder water. It there are different species down there. I've never dived there, dove there, so I'm quite interested to go and do that. Um, Okay, so that's that's all that stuff. The in terms of the logistic stuff, I also wanted to share that I have finally succumbed and got slightly more organized and and set up an Instagram page for the Better Spearfishing podcast. And what I actually did is I've just repurposed um, the page that I used to have for. This, this, the brand of spearfishing um, wetsuits that I did, all things spearfishing. So I've just basically renamed that the Better Spearfishing Podcast. So, um, yeah, if you followed that, followed that channel, you're about to get a whole bunch of podcasts. Um, if you want to get in touch, please uh, just follow, follow me on that Instagram. I'll, I will, you know, share pictures and, and what I can. I still have to figure out how to share. Um, audio via um, Instagram. Maybe it's not the right channel, but anyway, the reason I'm sh- I want to do this is because I really want to get feedback from you, the audience, and hear what do you want uh, me to discuss, or what kind of guests do you want, or you know, do you have something you want to share? You know, do you have requests? Um, any feedback, any constructive feedback? You know, what you liked and what you did not like. You know. Because I, I definitely feel like I'm just talking into the void here. Um, you know, I don't make anything out of this. I'm just doing this because, you know, I believe in, in um, you know, sharing and and helping people, you know, that come after you or that, that are getting into the sport. I think it's important to, you know, in, in any area of your life to help other people. And so so that's why I'm doing this. And uh, But that means I want to be able to help. And so I need to know what people want to know. You know, that means you, if you're listening to this and there's something you you would really like to know, please get in touch um, with me. So it's Better Spearfishing Podcast. If you just type that into Instagram, you'll find me. It's the same um, picture as on the, um, on as you'll see on the thumbnails on the podcast and just send me a message. Okay, so that's that. Um, so what... I've realized, you know, of course, going to needing to prepare for an international competition, you need to train, you need to prepare that. Of course you do. Um, And part of that is realizing what you're good at and what you're not good at. And so it's, you know, it's eating a little bit of humble pie. And and for myself, I've had to accept 
I mean, I think I've shared it on the podcast before. Um, I have to just accept that my shooting has been a real limitation. My accuracy um, with, you know, standard or longer length spear guns. So, you know, a 120 spear gun or up, my accuracy just has not been what I would have liked. And that's a real limitation. In, in you know, in a competition setting, you can't afford to be missing that, um, you know, I never have issues with gear. My gear is always solid. My diving is always solid. That's I never have issues with depth or diving or you know that is all great. My diving, you know, I feel like I'm at at a decent level on that. But my shooting is a real limitation. So what I did, um, you know, probably a, a week or two ago, is I I went to I think it was Kmart or Target. It's one of the cheap. Um, cheap sort of homeware stores. And I just bought a very thin, very cheap foam yoga mat. It's it's about three millimeter thick. It's just a cheap foam mat, um, but it's sort of some kind of neoprene material for, for yoga. And I cut, cut a piece out of that about 40 centimeters square. So let's say roughly a foot, foot and a bit square. And I just tied a big dive weight on each corner on, you know, along one edge. And then I just threw a big target in the middle with a, um, a a permanent marker and then I took all of my spear guns put everything in the boat um I would love to have a long swimming pool where I could do this in a you know test and uh, target shoot in a completely controlled environment but I don't have access to that so I put everything in the boat I, I dove the day before um you know so I had the fish that I wanted already I didn't need more fish and then I drove out from one of the marinas, about a kilometer out from the marina, there is a very, very shallow bit of leaf that the waves basically break on that leaf. It's a long stretch of leaf, so all the waves break on that, and which means on the inside of that, it's very calm. And there's very little water movement. The visibility is good. It's shallow. It's sort of two meters deep or three meters deep. And there's just lots of open sandy patches with you know small rubble and very clean water. And so I went there, anchored the boat, and got off the side and put the target up. And I spent four hours just shooting that target with every single gun I own from an 80 centimeter. Well, I'll go through the guns now. So it's an 80 centimeter gun, um, standard 16 millimeter band, a 6.5 shaft. Then a one meter gun with, um, it's got two 14 bands, again, a 6.5 shaft. Then a 120 centimeter gun, 6.5 shaft, two 14 bands, and then a 140 centimeter gun with um, two 14 bands and a 7.5 shaft, and then another identical 140, same band setup, uh, but with a 7 mil shaft. And then I also had with a single 18 millimeter band, which I wanted to try. So basically, all of my equipment. And the purpose of this, I wanted to go and see, okay, how are my guns shooting? How am I shooting? What's working? What's not? So what I can say, the summary of this, with my 80 centimeter gun, I am deadly accurate with that. I absolutely on the dot. Perfect. Um, obviously, it's got limited range, but it is absolutely on the dot within its range. And, you know, it's got plenty power for the sort of fish that you want to take with a small gun. So Brilliant. Very happy with that. My one meter gun, absolutely deadly, deadly, deadly. And um, 
slightly less accurate than my 80, bit more recoil, but it's still very accurate. I got the occasional flyer. Then when I went up to my 120, it wasn't great. Look, it. I was a bit surprised, look, how inaccurate I was. I, you know, because I always, my 120 has been my standard sort of length gun. And I wasn't, I was shooting sort of, you know, I, I kept the distance um, towards basically where the shaft would go in up to about where the wishbone um, settled on the shaft or just go through that sort of distance. So it's about maximum effective range, I would say. And not that excited, you know, so the shaft just gets through the target. Not that stoked with my 120. Then when I tried my 140, I was horrified, absolutely horrified. I don't know how I've ever caught any fish. Ever. It was so inaccurate. Every single shot went left and sometimes wildly left. It was totally inconsistent. Everything was low. So I realized I had to change my aim with my 120 and my 140. I had to aim higher. The 140 was shooting so left. Like I was almost, I had to aim off the target to the right to be able to hit the bullseye. And I was, I was sort of thinking, well, can I change my aim just for this gun? And, um, Look, it was actually really bad. And, yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, because I've shot plenty of fish with that 140, but I was always, you know, I've lost so many good, good fish. Um, and I just thought, this is not right. Some, You know, it's either me or the gun. And the fact that with my shorter guns, I was absolutely spot on every time, it made me think, no, I do know how to shoot. I'm not that terrible. Um, I know how to do this, but going to the bigger rail guns and it's just a they're all exactly the same gun they are standard rob allen aluminium rail guns with this this standard amount of shaft overhang so exactly standard and they all set up exactly the same um and it it just made me realize with the big rail guns the recoil um obviously then i i went went home after that and i did a lot of research on this to try and understand this um and what I found is the recoil with these longer rail guns or the, the more powerful guns, it actually, the ergonomics of, of standard spear gun handles is really not very good because the, as the spear gun recoils, it, you know, the spear is not as fast as a bullet. So the spear is still on the spear gun while it's recoiling. And what that does is the spear gun, if you're shooting right-handed, I'm, I'm a, a right-handed, it actually pushes into your thumb. And because of that, the handle gets pushed out to the left, which means the muzzle gets pushed out to the right. So so as the spear is going out, the muzzle pushes to the right. And it, what that does is it pushes the back of the spear out to the right, which forces it to go left. If you, um, yeah, if you can sort of imagine what I'm saying. So basically the spear gun doesn't, re it doesn't um, recoil straight back into your hand. And now, look, while I was out there, I tried absolutely everything I could think of to try and alter this, um, you know, to try and make this work better. I tried loading just a single band on my 14, on, on my um, 140 spear gun. So, of course, now it's shooting lower, it's underpowered, but it was still shooting left, not as far left. So it wasn't as bad an effect, but it was still inaccurate and now it was weak as well. So I tried that. I tried changing up to a single 18 millimeter band. 
I tried a single 18mm band with a 7mm shaft, which I had always assumed was going to be a nice fast um, fast shot. Um, it, it really wasn't. It, it was slower than having the two 14 bands, even on a heavier spear, um, and it was no more accurate. So, yeah, look, it, it was very discouraging, um, that experience. And what that actually made me do as a result of that, I, I suddenly realized the problem here is recoil, um, which is affecting my accuracy. So the one thing you can do is you can basically custom mold a spear gun handle to your hand. And th there's a brilliant um, video on... I forget the guy's name on, on YouTube. It's MadgeD8. I think it's a guy living in the Middle East. But he basically shows how the spear gun handles, they're not actually ergonomically correct, you know, for using in the water because you need something that recoils straight back and uses your body mass, basically as mass to stop the spear gun recoil. Um, look, the big wooden spear guns, they try and use the mass of the spear gun, but they're a little bit cumbersome to drag around. I'm, I'm not a fan. Um, you know, but then this is also the need for roller spear guns or inverted rollers because just the physics of it, um, you reduce the mass, you, you, you change the direction of recoil a little bit or the direction that all the forces are going, so you reduce recoil. So... Anyway, I realized instantly that as much as I love my standard spear guns, absolutely love the simplicity and the ease, as soon as I go over one meter, um, yeah, I just can't hit anything. So I am going back to retest roller guns. And, um, you know, I as, as I record this now, I am back in, in Cape Town in South Africa visiting family. So I have bought a bunch of new, brand spanking new Rob Allen roller guns straight from the factory um, in, in various lengths. And I'm going to try again for probably the fourth time. Um, but in, in, unlike the previous three times when I just fitted the muzzles on myself and, and I'm clearly not that good at DIY projects, um, this is set up by the professionals. It's exactly what what is supposed to work. And I'm going to just start shooting targets. I'm not even going to shoot at fish until I'm perfectly confident on targets. Um, so yeah, look, that's I guess that's the um, yeah bit of a bit of a learning curve for me. You would think I would have spent a lot of time shooting targets, you know, after this many years of diving, and I just haven't. I just um, I've just never really had access to a long enough pool, and um, I sort of. Yeah, it's kind of, I, I wish I had, um, because it it really makes a difference. So, yeah, if you if you do have access to a pool, I highly recommend uh, shooting targets. And, you know, it's very simple. As I said, I just chopped up a bit of a cheap yoga mat, put some dive weights on each side, put a, um, a marker pen in the middle, um, you know, to make a mark. What I did, because I was in the ocean, I just dove down to the same bit of rock and, and held onto that for each shot with the same gun, um, and then just, you know, moved back to the next bit of lock as, as I was using a longer gun. Um, so that way it was consistent. Every time I was in exactly the same place, the same distance, um, you know, as, as consistent as I could make it. Um, yeah, so anyway, I'm off to collect the, the gear now, so I'm very excited about that. It's going to be great trying... Uh, you know, the, the collect gear set up correctly from the factory. 
And anyway, one of the the other things that um, uh, look, I think I'll talk about this in in another um, podcast, just because I've sort of rambled on enough here. Um, but I am quite happy to say, as part of this experience um, of trying new things and because we still have the demersal spearfishing ban on in Western Australia, I've been targeting fish that I don't normally target. So I've made a real effort to learn how to target tailor or bluefish or here in South Africa, they're called shad or elf, how to target them on a spear. And I've started to get fairly successful. Um, It's got to the point now where if I go out targeting them, generally I can find them and shoot one, um, which is quite nice. Because that is, you know, it's it's not something that most people in, in Western Australia are able to target. And I, I think I've managed to f- figure out where to go and target them. So anyway, I think that deserves a whole um, podcast on its own. So I, I will share that in another podcast. Um, and I'm just looking through any other notes that I have. Look, I, I think let's leave it at that. Um, but yeah, it, this is just a bit of a bit of a rambling housekeeping one to say I'm very happy to be in the Aussie team. Um, please come along and follow me on Instagram. So Better Spearfishing Podcast. Any requests or feedback, good, positive, negative, anything, any constructive feedback would be welcomed. Um, and any requests. So um, yeah, stay safe, everybody, and I'll chat to you later. Oh, and I will um, be getting out and doing some diving while I'm here in South Africa, and I will share the stories of that. So cool. Take care, everybody. We'll speak to you soon. Bye.